you've made it back to town after successfully raiding the goblin stronghold. You still don't know who was behind the plot to murder the queen, but you feel you're getting closer. What do you want to do next? Ooh, let's go hunt the narwhal, the great narwhal of North Umbria. What? The, the narwhal? I, I don't think there's a... Or maybe we can go explore the brothel district of town and see what's going on there. Um, but, but the queen's murderer? Or you mentioned that there was that nondescript human at the bar. Let's go ask him what his deal was. Okay, so nobody cares about the psychopathic killer on the loose? Hey, guys, you know, she's got a point. We should probably focus on the narwhal. In this episode of Becoming DM, we're talking about improving when your players go off the reservation. Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Felicia. And before we get started, uh, just a quick note about the episode. We want to say thank you to Frank Cerevello. And Frank, I apologize if I butchered your last name. Uh, but Frank <laughs> submitted this idea uh, to us to, to run this uh, episode. So thank you, Frank. And uh, if you are interested in submitting an episode in the future, make sure to go to becomingdm.com and just click contact. Mm -hmm. So we have talked about... Uh, some improv stuff in other episodes, uh, specifically with techniques to improve your your NPCs. But with this episode, the the goal is to be a little bit more encompassing. Uh, so because players aren't just gonna gonna go their own way and just pick pick an NPC to talk to, they could decide that hey, we want to go go hunt the great narwhal of Northumbria, uh, <laughs> and and if it makes sense for the campaign, you may be. Uh, improving an entire storyline about this narwhal and what his deal is. <laughs> Those narwhals are awfully tempting. Yep. Um, and and just keep in mind that that while preparation definitely helps, if you've got ideas that are, that are on the sidelines that you haven't done that you can implement to help with stuff, that's great. But that's not always going to be the case. There there's going to be uh, times where. All that preparation will mean nothing in the face of your players. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, we tell you. Yeah, and so the focus of this episode is really um, gonna gonna be on what happens when you go beyond your prep. What happens when they're they're just making moves that you had no clue were gonna happen, and and you're just like, I don't know what to do with this. Like a real deer in headlights moment. Yep. <laughs> Um, and we do have some general suggestions in, in reference to that. Um, one of the first ones is, is remember that you have created a structure for your campaign. And that structure is going to provide, um, you know, that system of rules. And those rules are going to determine how you handle and how you improv. Um, so remember, you know, there are certain things that can and can't happen in your world. You know, maybe it's a low or no magic kind of uh, campaign. Maybe certain... Mm -hmm. um, you know, certain geographic areas are or are not there. Maybe there's certain creatures that do or don't exist. So remember, this is a campaign that you've created. These are your rules. So just a good thing to keep in mind when you're improving, And perhaps it also gives you a little bit more confidence that like you still have control in a lot of this, um, the ability to handle things that may accidentally blindside you. Um, yep. So just kind of keep that in mind. Uh, and every game is going to have a different structure for improvisation. So it's just one of those things, you know, kind of create your campaign with the expectation that at some point in time, your characters are going to throw you a curveball just 
reiterating those rules in your mind so that you know what to do when it happens. Um, and if you do decide to include your players um, in these improvs, make sure to let them know ahead of time that if you do decide to go off the beaten path, that there's a chance that you're going to be involved in the creation um, or progression of these improv sidelines. Yeah, and, and when you talk about the the structure around around the improv, um, the structure could simply be like, these are the rules for for the world we live in. Um, mm -hmm. we, we don't have magic or or it's a frosted frosted wasteland that uh, that that's all we have. Uh, but whatever it is, keep it in mind because I, I know that when a player says, I want to go do this, mm -hmm. uh, it can be very, very daunting to, to be like, to just take a breath, to, to take a second to remember what those rules are and be like, all right, we're going to, yeah, we can do that. Or, you know, based upon what the world is, you know that this is not possible. Because sometimes you can just give them insight as a DM. Say, yeah, based upon what you know about this, you don't think that's possible. You, like, it's not a strict no, even though it's a no. <laughs> <laughs> Soften the blow a bit. Guys, we're in the middle of a desert. There are no narwhals. <laughs> <laughs> um but but since we're talking about no's, um, let's talk about the next kind of suggestion, uh, which is yes and. And if you have done anything with improv or read anything with about improv, you've probably or, or read anything about improv DMing, you've probably heard about yes and. And I will say the first time that I heard yes and was a was actually from the office. Oh, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> <laughs> because. Michael Scott was in this improv class and everyone was trying to get him to yes and and, and uh, yeah, he, he didn't. <laughs> I've never watched that show. <laughs> nah, well, so I mean, generally speaking, the, the idea behind the, the technique is is to say yes to the idea of the other person and then say and to expand upon it. So um, maybe the maybe the idea is that they... I'm going to keep on going back to the narwhals. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the like idea is that they is that they want to go and hunt this great narwhal. Um, yeah, you can say you can say yes, but you can also expand upon that and 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 say maybe this this narwhal has magical properties that that makes him particularly adept at at, uh, at avoiding being caught, or maybe uh, it's it. He's he's the national symbol of Northumbria, and oh and if you kill him, then um, it's going to be bad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, whatever it is, you just kind of take their idea to the next step. Um, don't don't say no to them. Just expand on what what could possibly happen as a result. Mm, good idea, and and I think it's it's important because you know it's it's one of those where it it helps to prevent you from discounting a player you know you don't want to make people feel ostracized or silly for suggesting things um so it's kind of a nice way to like include them the yes and technique yeah and and that and could steer them back into a different direction that mm -hmm. uh that maybe than they were originally intending but it still it still has their idea being valid um mm -hmm. so that you can you can keep them within the framework of the of the game uh while also uh indulging them on their flights of fancy <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's important because, you know, you want your players to have an emotional investment in the campaign, making them an active participant in some of the plot lines that kind of go on is a really, really good way of doing that and making them 
really be excited for that next session or the next store because it's built upon something that they played a part in creating. Oh, yeah. Having having the players realize and understand that they are creating a part of the story, I've seen just payback massive dividends with with uh, engagement and with them wanting to uh, wanting to continue and and showing up on time and stuff like <laughs> that because it's like this is mine too like I'm not just following along with the DM story this is mine the <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing to keep in mind though is obviously we want to make players feel included and that they're invested and that they're having a good time but there are going to be circumstances that their suggestions may not work. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just something that that's just how it is. Sometimes, you know, you have to sort of assert yourself as the DM and saying, look, I appreciate the thought and the idea, but it may not work in this particular scenario. Yep. And and, and while we're on that, that kind of that kind of bent um, mm -hmm. is when you're when you're saying yes, and you don't actually have to say yes. And um, sometimes <laughs> it's just a mental what? yes. And like, like, we're going to go through with this. And this is my idea for the back end that will really surprise them and just make them scratch their heads. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever it is, uh, you don't have to say yes. And it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a mental process more than anything. I think. Wait, so you mean it won't work like the only way, like it, it won't work unless I say yes. And is that what you get? <laughs> <laughs> you have to point your finger at them too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, but, you know, since we are talking about players, um, putting some of that creative burden on the players um, is, is a really great technique for improv as well. The yes and kind of and, and piggybacking on this, um, you know, your players may have some sort of suggestion. They want to go a certain way. They want to explore a certain building. They want to talk to a certain person. Um they can play a part in that. Like, what does that person look like? What is their name? What, what, how does this interaction go? And that suggestion um, from them and kind of them giving little tidbits can kind of help give that direction. Yeah. It can also be um, um, if they're, if they're planning, if they're wanting to do something, like if they're wanting to take this trip and do something, um, just asking out questions to kind of suss out what the goal is, because I mean, oftentimes the goal is what they say they're going to do, but sometimes it's like the reason I want to do this is is nine layers deeper than than, <laughs> than what I'm really wanting to do. This is just step one of my master plan. Oh my god! Uh, but but and and sometimes that that nine layers deep idea may be just off the deep end crazy, but sometimes it may be a great way for you to have a have a more integrated approach to your campaign and what the what the goals of that player are mm. um so it, it involving the the players with that creative burden could could simply be just asking them a lot more questions about what they're saying that they want to do mm -hmm. i'd just be crazy enough to work <laughs> um so the the next kind of general recommendation is is really to start small and if possible start early it's not mm -hmm. always going to be possible um but but I, I i know that that having a having a huge huge step off of the the adventure that you had thought you were doing can be really really imposing it can be just people lock up uh thinking about it sometimes and mm -hmm. and so having something small instead um um really can can help out with that and 
when I say start small, it could be where you've presented something to the players and through their discussions, they're 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 making uh, comments about what they think they might be encountering or mm. what they think might be behind this thing and and taking some ideas from the players and then expanding on them uh, kind of on the fly actually can really help you um, get your head more in that mind space of of doing those improvs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it and and it's and it's smaller and it's more controlled. And if it doesn't work out, you can always just like be like, yeah, that wasn't what it really was. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> so this um actually, you know, is is again piggybacking on what you were saying before, you know, and utilizing those player comments. Um, you know, it's not just like opportunities to create these new little extra sidelines. Sometimes you have like this intended plan that you have these players on and they kind of go down that plan, but the the ending changes, that resolution. Um, your your original intended resolution that gets you to point A or point B, maybe that is what changes. So maybe it's not a complete, you know, going off in a completely different direction. Maybe it's just the the direction that they're going has changed as far as like, you know, the method and the means, how they're getting there. Maybe that's what's actually changing. Um, and you had a good example, I think, of of something similar, right? Yeah, I had um, I had my group of players kind of traveling through the desert, and they came upon this this wreckage of a town um, that was kind of partly covered in sand, but I had obviously been somewhat recently lived in. It just hadn't been taken care of for a couple of weeks. It seems mm-hmm. like um, they encountered a lot of undead in this town, and and through the and in in my mind, this was just this was a town that got overrun by undead that happened to be wandering the desert. And I really didn't have much more of a plan for it than that. It was really just kind of a, an encounter as, as a midpoint to their destination. Mm. And one of my players, after the first encounter with these undead, and there were going to be waves of them, uh, said, oh man, we need to be careful because there's probably a necromancer around here. <laughs> and I was like, ding, ding, ding. Yes, there is. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, it, it. It ended up that there wasn't a necromancer specifically there, but there was one in the area. And when they searched in the buildings, they found this trap door that led down to this underground uh, lair for the necromancer that wasn't there originally. I added it in as a result of of their conversation. And they found all these things and were like, well, man, where did this guy go? Like, he's got this diary here and it talks about him killing everybody in town. Where is he now? And, And they come back up above ground and they run into this uh party of these other denizens for the for the in the desert and they're like they're hunting the necromancer down because he attacked their settlement and it just kind of like snowballed a little bit oh my gosh Uh, (laughs) but i mean it's just a, a good example of like one little idea kind of became this this potential uh totally separate arc uh by running with it a little bit uh mm-hmm. even though it wasn't my original intended idea it sounds pretty cool though i, I really like how you kind of played with that one and, and you know really grew into something pretty cool like that yeah and the, i mean the coolest thing about doing stuff like that even if it's not something that develops into something that large it could be um they come up with some solution for a puzzle that you hadn't thought of they come mm. they figure out who the who this guy might be that you had no idea who it was and they just made it up um Whatever it is, it can make the players, if they, especially if they don't know you're improving it, um, it can make them feel like they're they're really smart for figuring out something in the game. And and I feel like 
that's a very important thing because I know that sometimes if you present puzzles that players mm. tend to overthink it and they might mm -hmm. think that they're not so smart even though they are. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that I think is, a, is an important part to doing those, those mini improvs, we'll say. And I think, uh, you know, the benefits go both ways because, you know, your players get something out of it. And then you as a DM also, because these like little small nuggets of opportunity, if you will, you know, it gets you like acclimated to your player's style, their preferences. Um, and yep. it kind of helps you to really get them more actively involved in the campaign, kind of, um, you know, emphasize and, and increase uh, like the role that they play in the adventure um, and then kind of like for you to really enrich that dynamic that you have with them. So doing small things like that, it really helps because maybe you didn't know that about them before. Maybe when, you know, you're presenting it and all of a sudden one of your players that you didn't know even liked that type of uh, that type of style or that type of situation, you never knew before and bam, here they are having a ball. Uh, so, you know, it's it's definitely one of those things where it's like you can you can get a lot of reward and benefit from these types of scenarios. Yeah, and if you if you pay attention to your players in those in those instances, it will be at least for for the players that I've run games for, it will be very easy to tell when when they're into something because their whole countenance will change. They'll get mm -hmm. excited. They'll they'll just be ready to to go with something. Yeah. Um. And and it'll it'll be great. <laughs> now. Admittedly, there are some groups that that don't talk as much um, as my as my current Pathfinder group. They don't talk as much uh, amongst themselves about what their what their ideas are, what their theories are, mm -hmm. and so doing this can be difficult with certain groups. It just it really just depends on the group. Mm -hmm. And and like you were saying before, if possible, this is something that's that's good to do early on, rather than waiting. Um, way later than the story and then your players go off and, and you've gotten like halfway through your campaign and now you've got to do this whole other thing halfway through the campaign. It's, we say like, do this early. It's just, it's more like just pay attention early on to, like you were saying, to the comments that they make and to the indications that they have, their preferences, to see if those opportunities kind of present themselves early on rather than just kind of being like head on, let's focus on the campaign, let's like campaign, campaign, campaign. And then halfway through, all of a sudden, you're noticing your players are starting to wander off in different directions, trying to find that that uh, that narwhal. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a don't don't get don't get so uh, heads down. Hey, they're following the adventure mm -hmm. module to the T. Hey, they're doing this the way I expected them to. Um, don't get so head down into that that you miss those opportunities. Exactly. Uh, because when they come, they they're really they really can be awesome. Yeah, they can they can suck, <laughs> but but with practice, they they get to be where they're they're more awesome than not. It wouldn't be an episode of Becoming DM if we didn't mention our friends at Darkwind. Darkwind's sponsorship of the show helps pay for all the things that keep Becoming DM running. If you want to say thanks, go to play.darkwind.org and create a character today. Join in on the multiplayer, text-based role-playing game that you can play with friends, or if you're feeling a little antisocial, play on your own. Join and play for free at play.darkwind.org. Now let's get back to the show. You do need to kind of take a step back and understand that the first couple of times that you try to do improv for your game, they may not be good. Um, yeah. 
you might luck out and they may be good, but chances are that that at some point you're going to try something uh, based upon what a player says or a player's going to do something and you're going to try to react to it and it's just not going to work out. It's going to um, flop. <laughs> yeah. And I've I've had it many times. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Have you... I, I'm sure that all yours are perfect, right, Felicia? Totally, every <laughs> single time. <laughs> uh, no, I've had my moments too. I mean, maybe not so much in the in the improv sector of of D and D. I think maybe perhaps my players are not quite as adventurous in that section. They kind of stick with it, but um, you know, there there have definitely been moments where I have been caught off guard, and maybe the thing that I try to do is like wah wah wah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and that is the thing. There are groups that uh, that just will that they're looking for the railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. I want to get on the train, chugga chugga, chugga uh, chugga, my friend. Uh, and there's there's there are players that have never seen the the train. They don't even know what the train is. So <laughs> there's a train. Um, uh, but but it, it's it's uh it's it's part of it's understanding your your players, but. Mm-hmm. From your perspective as the DM, even if they're not a group that that uh, that that does that, practicing those small moments can really help you develop as a DM, and can also get them to where they start um, thinking out of the box a little bit, yeah, and maybe absolutely. making some decisions that that are that are interesting to deal with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so moving on, um, you know, besides. NPCs and things like that. Like one thing you can really improve or improv is like your storyline. Obviously, you have a basic story structure. Um, while you may not necessarily know like all the moving parts when you improv, because we obviously know that this is kind of a blindsided moment. Um, just kind of remember if you can just some of the basics of it. Like if you're thrown a situation. Okay, there's a basic plot structure in mind. Maybe throw in a couple of like key elements about it um, when you're doing the parts, when you're doing for improv, so that you don't kind of run away with it and kind of keep it from running too long. Yeah, and and the 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 structure of the story could be simple, uh, simply a matter of the beginning. Okay, the players have said that they want to do that stuff. That's my beginning. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> and there you go. That's it. My, That's all I got. My, <laughs> Yeah, my middle or conflict could be like, oh, the the narwhal has magical abilities, and the and now he's intent again. on killing me because I'm, I'm I'm hunting him. Yeah. And then the end could be um, maybe maybe some thoughts from from you on where the story might end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, because you're improving this, you need to be open to to alternate story ideas. But just having those those kind of three things, um, mm-hmm. I, I think, helps it from from as you mentioned, just being this runaway story that, that continues on for, for years with <laughs> with no real plot or ending. <laughs> yeah, it's been two years now and we still haven't caught that narwhal. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't and, have I mean, to be fully formed. Yeah, and, and I mean, some pe- some players are okay with, with something that would, would run on for a couple of years, but I know a, a lot of players in a lot of games that I've run they want to have they want to have a story that they're working towards completing, even mm-hmm. if it's an improv story. Exactly. Yeah. And and on your end, you know, like I said, a couple of notes, rough sketch, like you were saying, just kind of have a, a slight idea of that beginning, middle and end. Keeps everyone happy. Yep. And and even though they're doing this storyline that may be just miles away from whatever you had originally kind of sketched out for your uh, campaign, mm-hmm. you need to remember that 
those outstanding arcs are still in your game. It doesn't yes. <laughs> take an eraser and wipe them off the board or anything. They don't go on pause while you guys figure out this narwhal scenario. Yeah, uh, because a lot of the, especially in the games that I run, a lot of the storylines have have pretty important timelines. Um, mm -hmm. So those timelines keep ticking, even if even if the players go off and do something else. Um, yeah. um, and and the, so you need to keep keep in mind what's happening while the players are doing these other things. And I, I would say don't try to railroad ba them back to the, your story like, oh, you're going off to hunt the narwhal. Oh, look, you may have found the murderer of the queen. You just oh, happened look to step that. awesome. <laughs> yeah, because that's just not going to be great for anyone. I mean, they might be like, oh, yeah, we solved that thing. Now <laughs> let's go hunt the narwhal. Uh, <laughs> and you're still in the same situation you were before. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. And you had a really good experience or a good um, example of that whole ticking timeline scenario, I think, right? Yeah, so I have a I have an arc in my current uh, current game. Uh, if anybody from my game is listening, turn your speakers down now. Turn them uh, off. <laughs> um, Spoilers. Uh, but basically, what it is is the um, there's there's a storyline that involves the king, and he had this magic ring that uh, that kept him basically immortal. And somebody stole that ring, and the the process for what happens if he doesn't have the ring is he basically rapidly starts aging, starts losing his memory, and and uh, there's kind of a timeline that gets established from when that item got stolen to when he is dead. <laughs> and so this is really, in, in, in my world, this is a side quest, and the players have been pretty focused on the main quest. And every so often, I'll... I'll They'll hear some rumor about the the missing king or something like that because there's a storyline about what happens when the ring goes on, um, and and they've been pretty focused on their main line. And if even if they'd gone off on an improv line, this would still be happening. So, um, as time goes on, he gets to these different phases. And if they don't ever decide to pick it up, then the king will die. Or if they pick it up too late, it may be too late for the king. Um, they could still find out what the what the what the cause, what the resolution is, but uh, but he may still be dead by the time they finish it up. <laughs> no pressure for them then. <laughs> hey, if there's no pressure, then it's it's no fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, that's a really good, you know, when you set like a very definitive con time constraint there, like a reason, you know, why they need to get back by a certain time, that, that definitely can keep them on track for that particular like little side arc. And the players don't have to know the timeline is there mm -hmm. um, at all. Uh, in fact, in this in this arc, they don't know that, that there's a timeline associated with it. They just know that there's reports that the king is missing, and and the reports get more and more grandiose about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And if they choose not to do it, then eventually the king will die, and that's that. Uh, They'll see it <laughs> on like a fine. flyer announcement. Hear ye, hear ye, the king is dead. Yeah. Yeah, and then maybe they'll be like, oh, man, maybe we should have paid attention to those guys. Whoopsie. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> um, so you can also improv locations. And I think we were mentioning this before. We did reference it earlier that this is one area that players can actually invest a lot of their input in. You know, if they go to a new location, we were saying, you know, they can provide basic descriptors. You know, how does it look? What's the square footage? Uh, is that stucco? Is that a uh, old colonial Spanish style? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of what kind of people are in the in the bar? Um, stuff like that. I mean, it really whatever descriptors that that um, you know that your players often um, latch onto mm -hmm. that 
that maybe you don't like having to build, uh, you can you can be like, well, hey, Joe, um, tell me what the tell me what this bar's called and what's it look like? What's their specialty? And and I mean, these are all details that that the players may find uh, exciting to know, but are not they're not it, it, they don't have any bearing upon the story that you're telling necessarily. So why not have them them help? help build that stuff out yeah i mean maybe i want to know what the soup of the day is that could Mm -hmm. be really important to my campaign (laughs) yeah my my players frequently ask hey what's your specialty uh and i'm like i don't know stew (laughs) (laughs) mutton i don't know what do you what do you want from me (laughs) every place's specialty is stew if they ask me i mean that's basically what it boils down to (laughs) yeah really that's all you get (laughs) um yeah, and, and, you know, sometimes, like, these things are really great because it could be them giving the descriptors of things that you don't necessarily want to fill in yourself. It could be kind of a hybrid where they kind of say things and maybe you kind of modify it a little bit um, just to make sure that, like, it's still in line with what you need. It could be a tag-teaming scenario. But either way, um, it really reflects their contribution. And, again, we were talking about earlier that emotional investment into the campaign. Um, and makes it a really solid piece of that storyline um, with those extra descriptors from your players. And again, that just that gets them a little more involved in the game and makes it a little more their own. And that's just always a, a goal for us as DMs is for those, you know, for our players to really feel like they're a part of the story. Yeah. And if, if they're giving if they give you suggestions that don't fit the flavor of your game, you can always just take what they said and repeat it back to them changing those things that that make it fit so that that yes i'm i'm taking what you're what you've said i'm changing it up a little bit and by you repeating it it kind of makes it like the that is the world um and and finalizes the those details around it this is the way yep um (laughs) and and this is also a great opportunity to use that yes and um so Uh, when they when they say, Hey, this is what it looks like. And, and maybe there's something specific that you need to have as part of this location. You can say, yes. And it also has blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> and just use that to expand what the, what the description is. All right. Like, yes. And they also provide stew. <laughs> of course they do. Oh, Even uh, though it's not their specialty here. Um, so, uh, in addition to the, the storylines and the locations we talked about improving, um, you can definitely still improv NPCs. Uh, mm-hmm. we did cover a bunch of stuff about this in episode six. If you're yeah. looking for that, it's becoming dm.com slash EP six. Um, and, and we, we talked about building NPCs and, and how to improv when, when your players want to just talk to everybody in the bar. Uh, but a couple things to really remember first off is, is to understand the information that the NPC is is gonna, going to have or not have um, that's that's pertinent to the adventure. So yep. if they're not going to have anything, that's fine. Don't don't make up the fact that they have something just because they keep on getting asked questions. You can you can give them the cold shoulder or whatever. But if if they are going to have information, make sure that you understand what it is and and maybe even understand of like ways that that the players may approach it approach that NPC to get the information. Yeah. And also if, if it turns out that your players do something unexpected with that NPC, how to transfer that important information to another scenario or NPC so that they still are able to utilize it. Um, yep. 
So in addition, you also want to determine your NPC's personalities. How are they going to act towards your players? Are they friendly? Are they, you know, a little offhanded at first, but can be persuaded to offer information or assistance? Um, you know, are they going to provide extra little tidbits of storyline? Are they bad guys? Who knows? Um, but you need to kind of decide that um, kind of like we're saying on the fly, but determining what kind of NPC it is that you're going to present to your players. Yeah. And, and you always see the memes go around about the, the horny bard who seduces everyone in his way and, and understanding what their personality is and, and how, how they're going to act towards the PCs is going to, uh, if you've got a player that plays, and I've never had a player that plays the bard like that, but if you have <laughs> one that, that does, um, you'll understand whether they would be even open to that kind of thing and, and what the reaction might be if, if somebody starts trying to hit on them, for instance. Like, like Dandelion from The Witcher. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, I mean, obviously it, it's not going to be everyone every it's a simple role there's there's personality involved and all that stuff so you mm -hmm. need to figure out uh how they're going to react for sure absolutely and all right we're coming to the end last but not least take um, notes yes did we mention taking <laughs> notes um you, you being improv it, it may seem a little bit silly, silly to to take notes um but i i think honestly it would be silly not to take notes after mm -hmm. you've done all this work improving. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not going to remember all of this. I don't know about you guys, but I do not have that kind of memory. So yeah. And, and honestly, taking notes is a great way to um, take what was improv and make it planned mm -hmm. uh, because nothing, it, it, there's always chance for, for an improv thing to go past the edge of what, what your session is. So mm -hmm. you get to the point where everybody's ready to, to go home for the night that's your time to make this improv more planned. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, hold on a minute. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, it's it's a good opportunity, like you were saying, to, to build out something more robust for your campaign. It's also a great opportunity if you have it written down and kind of rereading your notes. It could provide inspiration for other, you know, potential storylines down the road as well. You may not necessarily build it out into a fully fleshed out idea here and now or even for your next campaign but maybe it's sort of like hey that's a good idea that i could use for you know blah 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 further down the road or hey maybe that's you know now that i'm thinking about it maybe i could do something like this that was inspired by this particular improv moment um and those are things that maybe you just wouldn't have thought out had you not gone back looked at your notes and sort of reflected on how that whole scenario went yeah, remember that nondescript guy at the bar that the, the party just kept uh, on annoying that you finally came up with a, a name for and and a little bit of a backstory? Maybe you develop that backstory a little more and, and he he suddenly needs the party's help or comes for vengeance because he's so tired of being bugged by them. <laughs> he's the queen's murderer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, well, I think that's primarily what we wanted to talk about today mm -hmm. so um again thank you frank for uh for submitting the idea thank you um love hearing from our listeners to to see what they'd like us to talk about so that was really helpful mm -hmm. uh, but until next time stay, stay nerdy, nerdy friends, friends.
Thanks for joining us again. As always, it really helps when you share the show with friends to help increase our listenership. Send them to our website, becomingdm.com, or Facebook, we are facebook.com slash becomingdm, and on Twitter, we're at becomingdm. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Felicia Martinez. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.